Hey, well, uh, like you heard Bethany say, um, four opportunities for us to experience uh, this Christmas season because the light has come. Um, we wanted to provide some experiences. And so if you haven't taken the chance, grab your family, head down to Connemara Street and, uh, and, and, and uh, see the lights. Um, like you heard from Aaron, maybe there's someone in your neighborhood that you think could get this Christmas in a box as a reflection of your uh, experience in the light. You want to share that light and have someone uh, receive Christmas in a box this year. Um, like you heard Julie last week, uh, what a gift that we get to bless some families. And then Christmas Eve, we are looking forward to still gathering three services here uh, at 3, uh, 4.15, and 5.30. And so I hope, uh, hope you guys can join us. Register online for that. And if you uh, have noticed two things. One, the projector as well as my attire. Um, one, my attire. No, this is not a fashion statement that I'm trying to make here. Uh, we get to celebrate uh, baptisms. And I think of no better day than the Advent time of peace to see the peace with God that we've experienced. And then... Uh, uh, the projector, uh, we just want to continue to make the most fiscally responsible decisions. So as we kind of have been doing a digital and physical refresh around our campus, we're still trying to determine what's the most reasonable, um, is, is the most reasonable to purchase another uh, projector? Or is there a better way to steward those resources as we continue to, to have a bigger picture of refreshing our campus? So continue to stay tuned for that as we, uh, as we go forward. And then uh, for you guys at home, as well as you guys here, uh, a beautiful symbol of baptism, of finding peace with God, an inward experience through an outward behavior, the same thing with communion. And so uh, at the end of our service, after our baptisms, we will be taking communion together. And so at home, I would encourage you, grab some elements and be prepared to celebrate uh, with us. Um, but as I wanted to start this morning... Um, I, I don't know what, what it is that you might be carrying. It feels like a claim this Christmas season is we long for peace on earth. Uh, that would be a common phrase you might hear from many about wanting peace on earth. And yet, and yet that peace often feels elusive to me um, for many and so I don't know where you might be feeling some angst or frustration. I don't know if that's with a relationship that, that you're in. Uh, I don't know if that's um, because of the circumstances uh, or, or something in your past, but there's this peace that you long for. Uh, I want to pause and just, just sit in that for a second and pray before we enter into uh, some familiar ideas about the peace Jesus has bring and continues to bring. So, so pray with me uh, for whatever might be be top of mind when you wake up and go to sleep. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are. And as we enter into to week two of this Advent season, as we sit in the peace that you bring, uh, feel sometimes so elusive and so far. Uh, meet us in that place this morning, God, and we want more of the peace that comes from being in relationship with you. So reveal yourself this morning. For your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. So, has anyone seen a Charlie Brown Christmas? Is that a familiar story? I don't want to pop the, pop the Charlie Brown uh, Christmas bubble this morning, but I, I would have had a Christmas tree, the Charlie Brown Christmas tree, up here this morning with me. Uh, we went to St. Vinny's last year. 
and they had little Charlie Brown Christmas trees for sale. But when I went to get it this morning, I couldn't find the Linus blanket and I couldn't find the red bulb. So it would have just been the Christmas tree here. And I felt like, well, I'm just tell the story. But, but Charlie Brown is in search for the meaning of Christmas, right? And, and he's trying to figure this out and, and he's feeling frustrated. And then he gets this, this Christmas tree that's kind of dilapidated and, and just rough. And then he brings it and he's standing on this stage and all his friends start mocking this Christmas tree that he got. And so he's, he's just frustrated. And then he's standing on the stage and do you remember what he yells? So he yells, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? And then what happens? Linus steps on the stage and he starts, he says, I could tell you the meaning of Christmas, Charlie Brown. And ping! the spotlight on him then he starts reading the Christmas story and he reads Luke 2 uh, and he's sharing about the truth of Christmas but then he gets to verse 14 and he says this he says the famous scene I think that we know well he reads the Christmas story and gets to verse 14 and he says glory to God in the highest and on earth the famous phrase we sometimes hear, sometimes in our songs, and the one he reads, glory to God in the highest and on earth, goodwill toward men. And I think he gets it wrong. He's quoting the King James Version. And they translated the words of that second part of that verse, of the angel's declaration, differently. I think the NIV, the NASB, and the ESV, some of our modern translations, actually interpret that verse rightly. Because the question we're asking in the angel's declaration is peace for whom? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. Peace for whom? Here's how they say it in these, in these other translations. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those whom he's pleased. Did you catch the difference? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among whom he is pleased. And so peace for whom? And the weight of the angel's praise comes through. There is peace and there is peace available. And there's peace for those for whom his favor rests. And so I want to read Luke 2 again, and, and I want to read it with fresh eyes and ears to hear, and we're going to land on verse 14, to hear the power of what the angels are declaring to us and the peace that is available. Because though it's offered to all, this peace on the most profound, deepest level is experienced by those who are pleasing to God. Here's what Luke 2 says. And I want to read it as we read with fresh eyes and ears because it does feel like many are looking for peace this Christmas season and yet might be oblivious or naive to the deepest, most meaningful peace that is provided and what we get to celebrate about the peace that comes by being reconciled to God. So here's Luke 2, 1 to 15. In those days, the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. 
And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up to Galilee, from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out of the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, because uh, he had gone to angel training school, and says what every angel says, fear not! For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you was born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a Savior. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying those words. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased and when the angels went away they went from there into heaven the shepherds said to one another let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us feels like we want peace this Christmas season but not just uh, absence from conflict and animosity but actually the fullness of reconciliation with God and the richness that comes in our relationship with others. That it feels like people are pursuing and looking for peace this Christmas season. But not just the absence of conflict, but we actually want to look in Luke 2 to see the fullness of the reconciliation with God and the richness in the interaction with others. So, so as we jump in, I want to hit three ideas really quickly right off the top, and then we're going to hit Luke 14, Luke 2, 14. So three quick ideas, and then we're jumping in to Luke 14, 2, 2, 14, because I just think there's so much here. I mean, here's the challenge. We're, We're going to do baptisms. I'm going to go at an accelerated pace, and you're thinking, David, it's always an accelerated pace, but we're going to go at an accelerated pace, but there's so much here. Because we could sit and wrestle with the historical background of, of, uh, of Caesar Augustus and, and, the, and the richness that's there and the, and, the, and the play on that Luke's doing with Caesar Augustus. So Julius Caesar's son, Octavius, does this sound familiar? Historical stuff? Love this stuff? So he, he battled, he went and battled against the guy. Um, I said at first service, Dean, who is it? Richard Burton. So, so Caesar Augustus goes and battles Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor in that great battle. You guys are familiar? Sound familiar, right? Uh, <laughs> Alexander the Great. And uh, you, you'd know that if you were under the age of, uh, <laughs> you young guys, go and watch some classics. Um, and, and, then, and then the power of the idea that God moved <laughs> this family from Nazareth to Bethlehem because he just, he wanted that prophecy of Bethlehem being the birthplace fulfilled. How'd he do it? This massive, this massive census takes place. God is involved. But I want to give three ideas. We could spend all this time, I love this text, three ideas here. One, Jesus really was born. And Jesus arrived in God-ordained circumstances that just appeared rather ordinary. And before we get to Luke 2, 14, 
we get to see this powerful idea Jesus is for everyone. So the idea that Jesus really was born, right? Verse 10, and the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord, that Jesus' birth took place on a real day in history, in a real city in a real place. This isn't myth. This isn't fiction. This isn't like the fictional place of frog and toad and the land that they live in and that story I read to my kids at night. You guys love frog and toad? Is that a familiar kid story? Oh, it's a legend. It's a legendary story. But a real place. And Luke details some of these ideas to help give us confidence of this reality. He tells us more in verse 2. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, real guy, that all the world should be registered this was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. Jesus really was born, and he arrived in ordinary circumstances. That God planned this massive proclamation of his uh, arrival and incarnation into humanity, and he was born in, in, in relative obscurity. Verse 12, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger no fanfare no palace no 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 incredible uh uh scenery instead a, a very meager uh obscure location and then uh we see though born in this feeding trough goes one step further to see the ordinary circumstance and that this message is for everyone and the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news. And the good news is being brought to shepherds. If your daughter came home and said, Hey, I'm dating a shepherd boy, you wouldn't be thrilled at this point because, just again, because of the position shepherds held in this society. And yet the angel says to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. That this is coming for everyone and we see that in the declaration to the shepherds and then we get to verse 14 and i want to see two ideas that are true in verse 14 where the angels declare to the shepherds glory to god in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased and so so there's not just this promised future peace that we see in Isaiah, right? So Isaiah the prophet declares, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. We long for a day where peace will reign, but we actually have confidence that there can be peace today. And, and so I love what the angels say. Because it's not just peace with God, but I think that other component of their declaration is just as important. Glory to God in the highest and peace with those whom he's pleased. Because it feels like sometimes we just want peace, right? We want the alleviation of circumstances. And if I could just pray a prayer to eliminate, to get some fire insurance, man, I'll do it. If I could just, you know, tip every Sunday from time to time and maybe do a couple Christian behaviors and get peace with God, I'm in. But he adds another layer. The angels add that declaration of glory to God in the highest. That there's a recognition of this massive reality of who God is and, and by believing on him. So how do we get that peace, right? So glory to God in the highest and peace with those whom he is pleased. How do we please God? 
Here's what the author in Romans, here's what Paul tells us. How's that that most intrinsic, fundamental reality of peace acquired? Paul tells us this in Romans 5. Since we have been justified by faith, not by works, not by behavior, not by baptism. He doesn't add those layers. Since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. So how do we please God? There's peace with those who please God. How do we please God? Through faith accepting his Savior Jesus. Peace is acquired. The peace that maybe some of us act oblivious or naive to walking around, but the most fundamental peace that we need in this life to have any internal or external peace comes with this vertical peace first. And then the second question for me becomes, so through faith I accept Jesus and God is no longer righteously angry and and distant from me. Instead, he's adopted me through faith in Jesus. How might people know that I've experienced this peace? I think the call to the shepherds is one of peace with God and then actually to become messengers of peace. And so here's the challenge. How do others know that we've experienced peace? How might they know that they need peace with God? We actually become messengers of peace. That out of the overflow of this peace with God, I want to read a couple verses. It gets extended to others. A beautiful verse in Colossians 3.15. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Ephesians 4, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Because I wonder, if Ricky stood up right now and just walked over to Dean and slugged him, just knocked his teeth out, right? I don't know why, Ricky just suddenly got a little crazy, got a little fired up or something, and he walked over, slugged Dean, and I said, hey, Ricky, I forgive you. Dean would go, what, what are you talking about? And yet there's our conviction that there is Jesus who said and stepped into humanity and said, I forgive you. What right do I have on Dean's behalf to say, Ricky, I forgive you? And yet we, through Jesus, Jesus says, brings this peace, this vertical relationship. Not only did Ricky offend Dean, he actually offended someone greater, and it's he who brings that peace. And out of that, out of that reconciliation, we become messengers of peace. And and so I just imagine Thanksgiving, Christmas right now, there might be some frustration and lack of peace going on. Maybe with the circumstances, in determining whether and how you do Christmas, might add another layer of of lack of peace. And so here's my hope as we enter this Advent season. If we've been reconciled with God and the peace that comes from Him, that we actually, this Christmas season, will bring peace to those in our sphere of influence. And I just imagine, it, it may hurt. There may be some bitterness that could fester in our hearts. But my hope is, don't let it. Instead, we are in awe of the message that the angels delivered. Glory to God in the highest and on earth. Peace among those whom He is pleased. We are in awe of the reality that's taken place in our lives. Through faith, 
And, and so here's my second encouragement. Keep trusting God that as messengers of peace, he actually knows what he's doing. And, and, and if we keep his glory in mind, not our success or our effectiveness at peacemaking, that we actually, we actually may see an increase in peace in those external relationships. And third, what do you think my third takeaway is? It's to get baptisms. I love that as a result of this reality, we actually get to celebrate two, two people first service and now two people second service that declare this reality. And so, so Jackson and Corey, would you guys go get changed in anticipation of the baptism here? And, uh, and then I want, to, I want to end this way. So where we started, I'm not sure what relationship it is that, uh, are you going to change or are you going to go like that? Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what it is, the relationship that currently is in your life where you're looking for peace. But, but I just want to pause for a minute. I want to pause at home and, and in anticipation of celebrating baptisms, I want to pause and, and, and just maybe believe that God might work even in this moment of stillness to bring peace or that you might be the messenger of peace in that space. So we're just going to pause for a minute. I'm going to pray and then we're going to welcome up Jackson and then Corey. God, we want your peace extended to others in and through the peace and the reconciliation you've done in our life. And so we know in the midst of chaos and hectic uh, times that may have produced challenges and relationships, we, we desire to be in awe of the peace that you've done, you've brought in our lives. And may we extend that a little bit more fully this Christmas season. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Amen. And so as we jump into baptisms, one of the practices I love around here um, is, is one where we, I, we, some elders and I, get to hear the stories of transformation in people's lives. But I think we'd be doing a disservice if we didn't actually get to share those stories publicly here. So one of the practices I love at Hillcrest is we actually invite each person being baptized to share their testimony publicly with you guys. And baptism for us is not a means of salvation, right? For us, baptism is an inward experience that has taken place. That's faith. Baptism then becomes the outward expression of that inward experience. And so we see Jesus being baptized, right? Who's the one guy that didn't need to be baptized? Think be Jesus. And yet, in following his example... We continue in this pattern of baptism. And so, Jackson, I'd love to invite you up. And so, Jackson's been hanging around our community now a few months, and Corey uh, has grown up here. And so, what a privilege we get to celebrate with them. 
And so, Jackson, we would love you to read a little bit of, of, of what God's been doing in your life lately. Uh, yeah, so to start over, I've been down many bad roads, many good roads too, but many bad roads in my life. Many of them have led to uh, depression and fear, and these things are, are still a constant battle as they are in many ways for all of us, but following certain different paths I've been down in the last couple of years, um, it kind of went, I was really all the way down and at a bottom in my life, and really went all the way back up to the top. Um, about six to seven months ago, realizing that among all the darkness of this world, uh, there's really one light and one way out, and it's Jesus Christ, and the existence of God, um, and the God of the Christian Bible, um, not Allah or a different God, um, became clear to me in the prophecies of the book of Revelation, and since then, God has been slowly shifting my ways from ambivalence um, and dislike of, but not like a hatred of sin, um, in all aspects of my life, but that's really changed uh, since finding Christ. And only in Christ can we find true peace um, from the dark evils of this world, and more importantly, break our curse of sin in our personal lives. And I deserve the fires of hell to pay for my sins, as all of us do. And today is my public profession that I'm, um, in my ongoing sinful nature, I place my full faith and trust in what Jesus did for me on the cross, saying, it is finished, and by that alone will I inherit the undeserved gift of eternal life with God. So before we get in there, I want to pray for you. And then, uh, and then we get the joy and privilege of baptizing you and excited for the road ahead. Absolutely. Pray with me for Jackson. God, you're so good. Thank you for your work in Jackson's life. Uh, and that we get to celebrate and be a part of his story that you're working out in his life. And, uh, and we cannot wait to continue to see what the road ahead will look like as, uh, as he pursues more of you. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Thank you, everybody. two questions, Jackson, and, and we heard you share them there, but one, uh, do you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, that, that he came and lived the perfect life and died on behalf of our sins? I do. And two, that by faith, that you put your faith in him uh, to grant you eternal life. I do. Uh, so it's based upon that confession uh, that I baptize you in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, buried with Christ and raised to new life.
As long as I can remember, I've gone to church and had a strong Christian influence in my life. Therefore, by the grace of God, I was quite young when I first came to understand the gospel. When I was four, my family began training to become full-time missionaries. During one of the weeks of training that we had, my teachers explained the gospel to me, and for the first time, I truly understood it. That night, all alone in my room, I prayed and dedicated my life to God. I understood that God created a perfect world that then became broken because of sin. We could not endure the punishment for this sin, and we were separated from God. But God sent his perfect son into the world to pay this punishment for us. Anyone that believed in Christ and what he had done, repented of their sin, and dedicated their life to Christ will be reunited with him both now and for all of eternity. I believe that this was the beginning of my personal walk with Christ. I had a simple, childlike faith and a strong desire to grow. Over the next year, my family began to see a change in me as God worked in my life. When I was six, my family moved to Ukraine for language and culture training as we hoped to become missionaries in Russia. The three years we spent there were very formative in my faith. We had a strong community of believers there who demonstrated to me the power of prayer, Christian community, and joy in Christ. Additionally, through trials we faced there, I learned to trust God and grow in a personal relationship with him. When I was eight, I rededicated my life to Christ because I felt that I understood what it truly meant to walk with God and live for him. My faith has continued to grow, but it has not always been easy. In middle school and high school, I struggled with extreme loneliness. My family had just moved to Wisconsin, and making friends proved very difficult. Once I finally did make friends, they sometimes left after a while and I would be alone again. I began to wonder if there was something wrong with me and I felt worthless. I learned through this time that my identity is found in Christ and not in other people. I began to pour over scripture, focusing on the truth of God's love and presence. About three years ago, I began college at Cedarville University. God has blessed me with a positive environment to grow with good friends and professors who point me toward Christ. I found myself experiencing joy and freedom of Christ in a new way. Soon, this joy was tested. Over the past two years, there's been chaos in my family, ending in my parents' divorce. In addition to this, my health was suffering, and I faced struggles with friends at school. Everything seemed to be falling apart, and I even felt angry with God. There were times I couldn't even open my Bible, and I would just pray, crying out to God. But through these past two years, I have seen my faith grow in new ways. I realize that I must rely on God and not on my own strength. I've learned to trust in God and see his faithfulness, no matter what is going on in my life. He is good, he is present, and he extends perfect love to us, no matter what darkness we encounter in this world. I have learned to rest in his truth and love, seeking to rely on him and grow in him every day. Over the years, I've realized that my faith is not just a part of my life, but it is my identity. I see the world through the perspective of my faith, and it shapes my thoughts, motivations, and decisions. I seek to continue to grow in my relationship with Christ and glorify God in all that I do. I often fall short of this, but through my weaknesses, I see God's strength.
Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. He is faithful, and I can trust him no matter what I face in this life. Today, I stand here before you to publicly declare my faith in Jesus Christ and my choice to follow him through baptism. Because we get to see different stories of God's work in people's lives. And so I want to pray for Corey as we, uh, as we get to baptize her and, uh, and celebrate this step in her continued faith journey. So pray with me. God, you're so good. Thank you for the work that you're doing in Corey's life, uh, the journey you have her on, and uh, the circumstances and challenges that you are meeting her in and being present in the midst of and helping her take another step in following you. And so we get to celebrate, not just today, but also the ongoing journey of what it looks like to follow you. Thank you, Jesus, for your glory, we pray. Amen. Yeah, similar. Not bad, right? No, not too bad. Just for perspective, it's like 78 degrees, right? That's fine. That's fine. And so I'll ask you the same things that we get to ask Jackson, that, uh, that you believe that Jesus is who he said he is, and uh, he lived that perfect life and, uh, and died on the cross on behalf of our sins. Yes. And that you believe that uh, through faith, uh, you will spend eternity with him. Yes. Mm. So, Corey, it's based upon that confession that we get to baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Buried with Christ, raised to new life. which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. That we are convinced that because of his broken body on our behalf, we can have peace with God. 
that the angels declared all those years ago, Jesus came to bring, pre- to bring peace. And now, Paul continues. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So Hillcrest, may I pray for us as we are sent out back to be peacemakers and peace messengers Monday to Saturday because of the peace that we've experienced. And we look forward to seeing you next Sunday, maybe in some, uh, some Christmas sweater gear because we're going to have a photo booth for you to take pictures in front of. Uh, and, and maybe you'll see me in a snowman suit. We'll see what happens. But may I pray for us as we go from this place as messengers of peace, reconciled to God. God, you're so good. Thank you for who you are and what a gift to gather as your church family and to celebrate both in baptism, uh, a recognition of our reconciliation to you and communion of a reconciliation of your body and blood poured out and broken for us to be able to have peace with you. May this week we embody that a little bit more fully Monday to Saturday. Always for your glory we pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. We will see you next Sunday.